0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: I affirm all of you people that are older, and I look to you older people that are here, and by the way, it's not that I'm so young, all right, relax, but I will tell you this, listen carefully. I want you to hold your bald or gray head and your frail body as strong and as upright as you can because we need you. We need you to walk by faith. We need you to model for us that when you go through suffering and you get the cancer word and you have issues with your families and other things, we need someone that's been that path before us. So let me tell you, you are not a throwaway. You're not a second-class citizen as a brother and sister in Christ. We need you to go ahead of us. And don't hide from those issues that you have. That's the issues of life. That gives you a desire to go to heaven even more. That gives you a grateful spirit because He saved you by His grace so you have a home in heaven. So again... I love you for that. But we're going to be facing that kind of suffering. We have a lady here today. This is our first Sunday back after being diagnosed with cancer, having surgery and treatment, and she's here today. You can imagine the fears this lady has had, yet she holds her head up high. Fear of suffering. You can bear it through Christ. I like what Jesus had to say. He says, can all your worries add a single moment to your life? Of course not. I have to tell you, I have the gift of worry. Carol has the gift of faith. We're perfectly matched. All right. Perfectly matched. I tell her that she takes life just oh ski rasrah. Gotta get serious, you know. And with me she says, chill out, you know, chill out. It's all right, God's in control. You know what that told me about this verse? Worry does not bring me any closer to the Lord. If worry does not bring me any closer to If I keep worrying about this I'm trying to control my problems, trying to solve my problems and I'm not able to do it so all of a sudden I now start seeing the more I do this the binder I get on all of this stuff and now I get even more worried over this thing and where is God in all of this? So I'm going further from God when the worry occurs. Secondly, what happens then is whatever the object of my worry is my worrying about it will not change that object. You follow me what I'm saying? So that object is still out there. Now, I said all of that, now I want to give the balance. Next week my message is going to be how that you can use your fears to actually drive you closer to the Lord. And the reason I say that is because of a little known verse in the book of Job, You'd start. Job is the greatest one about worrying, he lost his kids, lost his wealth, lost everything but his wife, he lost his health, all of this kind of stuff. You talk about everything that he counted dear, all the relationships, all of the, the suffering he went through, all the poverty that he had, all of that. And what does he say? And here it is. My worst fears have come upon me. That is huge. I'm wondering that maybe the Lord is allowing this to happen, and one of the lessons that Job is going to learn is, since you worried so much about this before you lost it all, that I've got to allow all that stuff to be taken from you, not because I'm angry and mad and I'm a bad God. He says, because what I want you to do is to show you you don't need that to have an intimate relationship with me, so I'm now going to take that away from you, so now you can see how great I am through it all, and at the end I'll bless you. So I want you to know that sometimes our fears actually can drive us to the Lord, even though a lot of times our worry will cause us to get our eyes on our problems and off of the Lord. So make a list of those things and see what those those lies might be, and we'll talk a little bit more about that next week. Number three, identify the truth to counter the lie. I don't want you to leave here on my energy and my excitement and my passion for God. I want you to be through that energy and passion for God, drive you to the Word to find out what gives the energy and the passion for God, and it's going to be the very Word of God. So identify the truth to counter the lie. So while you can make your list of the things that you're afraid of, you can now look at a lot of the lies that Satan might tell you. I don't want you to stay there because that's where Satan wants to keep you. What we want to do is to go beyond that and go to the very truth of God's Word to come above all of that. So what does God's Word say? Write that in your margin. What does God's Word say? It's not what does the counselor say, what does the Christian counselor say, what does Stan have to say, what does God's Word have to say. Now I'm going to go back over these five fearfuls. I'm going to give you five passages of scripture five verses but i don't want you to think these are little you know little verse and all of a sudden it's a little tiny vitamin tablet a little you know it's a baby aspirin for your problem i want you to know that these verses are set in a larger context i don't have time to preach all day on this but they're set in a larger context so look at the verse but read all the verses before it, after it and then listen listen Take these and now add all the verses in your quiet time to this list so now that you have a a, a veritable vitamin uh, uh, cabinet full of verses to help you when you're fearful so that when you are, instead of staying up all night and grabbing something to try to numb you from your fears, go back to the Word and this will help you. Now, that I said all that, let me give you another little freebie here. While it will be better for you to find a verse that directly speaks to the lie, the truth that speaks to the lie, I want you to know that I have as much confidence in God's Word as being so powerful, in God's mind on paper, that anywhere I read in His Word, because thy Word is truth. And if I really believe what He has to say my faith will be strengthened so no matter where you read it'll help and I'm wondering possibly that those that have a struggle with fears is that they don't have a meaningful quiet time I didn't see to have a quiet time you don't have a meaningful time in the word and I'm not condemning anybody I'm just saying check it out just see where you are alright now let's go uh, let's look at these fearful of death the verse we have is first Corinthians 15 54 55 it says death is swallowed up in victory O death where is your victory O death where's your sting Now that was written in a context where Jesus died and He rose again. He showed us that He came back from the dead. And so He says, just as He has done that, by our faith in Him, we now believe that when we die, we're going to come back from the dead. So if there was no real sting uh, to death for Christ, there'll be no real sting for death for us. Now I know that some of us are afraid how we're going to die. Will it be cancer, an automobile wreck? Will someone shoot us or knife us? I don't know how we're going to die. I don't know how that life is going to end, and I I, I hate to say that we will have to go through that dark night of that kind of death for most of us. Hopefully we'll die in our sleep. More hopefully we'll go up at the rapture alive. But what does matter is this. When we do breathe our last breath and our heart beats its last beat, we're going to be with Him forever in heaven. So there should be no fear of death. It's nothing more than just a momentary transition into what life is really all about. Eternal life is in Christ. Number two, fearful of rejection. If God is for us, who can ever be against us? Now, this was said in the context of, listen, you are so saved that nothing can come against you. If you stop believing, you still have eternal life. If you think others can take away your salvation, you still have eternal life. And realize that even God can't take away your eternal life because He's given it to you and He promised that once you've trusted in Him, you will have eternal life forever and ever and ever. So nothing that man can do, nothing you can do, nothing the supernatural world can do can ever separate you, not only from His love, but will separate you from God and cast you forever away from Him. Now let me tell you, I don't care what the world does as long as they don't touch my salvation. Now that's easy preaching, but hard living. But they might take your job away. Some guy might steal the heart of your wife's affections away. And I feel that pain for you and I'm grateful that I don't have to or ever had to go through that. But I want you to know, whatever they might take to you in this life, you will never be rejected by the one that you would never want to be rejected. And that would be by the Lord. Number three, fearful of safety. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 5 and 6. And some of you are afraid of safety, and we live in an unsafe world. And how many of you have alarm systems? I tell you, I hate those things. I, I hate, I, I, they're crazy. We, we arrived in, um, we flew from New Hampshire, we arrived in uh, LA, and we drove to the desert. Someone gave us this million dollar home. God is so good. I mean, I, I pinch myself, I hate to tell you this, because you won't let us go next time. He gave us this million dollar house right on the golf course in Palm Desert. I mean, and, and all we had to do was get through the front gate. So she, she gives us all this information, so we drive our little cheap rental car up to the gate, you know, it's a gated community, and I says, hi, this is Stan and Carol Ponds, we're going to stay at such and such place. You're not on the list over here. So now she had to find this lady. They call the lady who allowed us to have this house only to find out that she had just fallen, and was just getting up after bleeding off of her head, and they're trying to put her into an ambulance, okay, and she's now giving permission for us to get in the front day, gate. I said, Carol, you got to. We got to pray more. We got four more of these problems. We got to get through the gate. We have to find the lock box of their key for the house. We have to unlock that lock box. We got to get into the house and and shut the alarm off. We made it through the front gate. Praise God. Took us thirty minutes with a flashlight. Found the lock box and. She said, I don't know my, my combination, but I think it's my birthday, so we're now guessing birthdays on this thing. Got it open. Praise God. Got to Unlock the door. Great. Now the alarm goes off. We could not shut that off. Squad cars came, security people, neighbors came. One neighbor said, are you here to rob the house? And I was, by then I'm just laughing. I'm saying, look at the size of our car. What am I going to take, you know? So <laughs> we're, we're going over this thing that we've had seven break-ins in our neighborhood. And I said, boy, I feel safe now, you know? But anyway... <laughs> I hate those things. But my point I'm still saying here is that you are never more safe than when you're in the center of God's perfect will. And so that's why you need to be in his book so you know what his will is and get in it and don't worry about it. Look at the verse. God said, God said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never fail you. That is why we can say with confidence, this is why you've got to memorize this stuff, with confidence, the Lord is my helper. Not your neighbors, not your relatives. The Lord is my helper. Now, he may use all those people and he may release those people from you, but the Lord is eventually your helper. So I will not be what? Afraid. All right, number four fearful of poverty. And this same God who takes care of me, Paul, will supply all your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. Now where did he write all of this? Back again in jail. And he says don't worry about it. God took care of me before, he can take care of me now. If he could take care of me, he can take care of you. You're going to go through cycles of having and not having, but don't ever worry about poverty. And then number five, fearful of suffering. I don't know what suffering you're going to go through nor me, but it says each time the Lord said my grace, my gracious favor, my grace, is all you need. My power works best in your weakness, so now I, Paul, am glad to boast about my weaknesses, and we could say sufferings, so that the power of Christ may work through me. Look at that. Each time the Lord said, my grace, my power, power of Christ. Put all of that in there. So in other words, your strength when you go through the fears that you have is all wrapped up in the person and the work and the revelation of God found in his book right here. So you've got to go back to the book and fill yourself with the book. And maybe you'll have an antidote so when you are attacked by Satan's uh, fiery arrows of fear, that begins to quench them so quickly. I've got to go quickly. We'll be here all day. I'm so, I'm so excited about this stuff because I, 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 was, so, I was so, I don't want to say damaged, but I was, I was overwhelmed by your fears. And I don't feel badly for you. I feel more like a pastor. And I say, oh, please don't be afraid. I, I, I don't want you to live like that. And so I'm more like that, and I'm mad at you or anything. So number four is this, concentrate on drawing closer to the Lord. And this is a great passage, there's a lot of lessons in this, but one of the lessons is this. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a village where a woman named Martha welcomed them into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. Underline that. But Martha was worrying over the big dinner she was preparing. So you got worry and sitting at the feet. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are so upset over all these details. Underline that. Okay, the worrying came from all these details. It wasn't getting done. There's really only one thing worth being concerned about. And maybe it's that fear thing that these people said, I'm afraid of someone not knowing the Lord. I'm afraid of not following the Lord. Maybe it's the word concern. There's only one thing that you should be fearful or concerned about, and that is... Mary discovered it, and I won't take it away from her. What did she do? She did two things. Listen, listen, listen. She sat at Jesus' feet. One is clearly evident. The other, I think, is implied. She sat at his feet, and she learned of Jesus. And I think in the course of doing that, within her heart was a heart that was, in her chest was beating a heart that says, I love you, Lord, and I worship you. And so she learned, and she worshiped. And so maybe what will deal with our worrying is we put worship over worry. And we begin to really worship the Lord. Now, the reason I put the word learn in there, because some people are so caught up. Oh, I listen to praise music all day. That, that's great. I, I, don't, I don't ever want to take that away. But I want you to know that's almost like, it could be like, a Hershey bar of nutrition. Or maybe like an energy bar that you get, one of those granola bars. It's good stuff, but you can't live on granola bars all day, every day, can you? So you have a granola bar at times when you can't have the big meal, but what you want to do is get back to the book. And I hope you guys get yourself a good leather Bible that's got notes in this thing and you carry it with, you bring it to church even though you see it on the screen, you see it in the paper here. Bring the Bible and mark it up, okay, how important that is, how rich that material is for you when we do that. So draw closer to the Lord. That's going to be a whole new series I'm going to do at the beginning of the year. Let's go to number five, respond in faith. We need to respond in faith. Respond in faith. So in other words, some of you are saying, okay, make a list, make a list of the the fears that I have and the lies. Go through the verses that I might be able to overcome those things. I need to draw closer to the Lord. Will it be just enough for you to fill up a notebook of lists that you're making? Is it enough for you to just read the Bible? There are a lot of Bible readers, and I've heard of people who can go around the country and quote massive amounts of Scripture, and being able to do that alone is still not enough. There is a time that you have to, here it is, purposely, emotionally, mentally, intellectually engage in God's Word. You have to own it. This is God's mind on paper. You want it to transform you. So when I say it's a faith thing, it is. It's finally where you're going to say, I don't understand all this stuff that he's saying. I don't understand all this stuff about the Bible. I know these guys had a lot of problems, and they didn't have a lot of fear because they did what God told them to do. I have all of this too. I can't say that I'll never have any more fear, but I'm going to deal with this thing God's way, and I'm going to take God at his word, and I'm going to believe what he tells me to believe, so I'm going to engage it with with faith. So I hope you respond to this thing. I can't make you do this. I, I... Taking a pill is easier because once you take it in your mouth and you swallow it, you have what is known as involuntary muscles that shove that pill down your esophagus, into your stomach, and then you have all this juice that melts it and then sends it through your system. But the Word of God is not like that. The Word of God, is you've got to put it up here, then you've got to meditate, you've got to think about it, you've got to bring it back out again. It's a constant, everyday thing. But I'm going to tell you, after a while, it will change you from within. So I want to close with this maybe your greatest fear today is the fear of dying. A little bit about how you're going to go but more about what is the afterlife going to be for you. Well perhaps maybe for you the very first thing you need to do to overcome that fear is to realize that there is not one moment that you have to spend separated for all eternity away from God in a wonderful place called heaven celebrating for eternity who He is. You do not have to fear the loss of that if you come to him his way which is the easiest way of all what do you do? you admit to him that you're a sinner I'll tell you in order for you to go somewhere you have to admit that you're lost you, you can't get found until you say I'm lost, I, 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 I'm separated I, I'm afraid of going to hell but, but Lord I, I'm a sinner and it's all this stuff that's inside of me that's wrong thinking and wrong believing and wrong behaving I messed up my life so bad that I've got people after me because of the things I've done no wonder I'm afraid and so Lord I'm messed up and I have messed up and so Lord I'm gonna look to you and I realize that my condition is so eternally bad by my nature and choices that when I die I'm gonna spend eternity separated from you in a place that I'm so scared that I'll go to which is a place called hell it's awful it's awful but Lord you said you could take that fear of death and dying and give me this joy of looking forward in the hope of heaven. So, Lord, I'm coming to you. I'm lost. And there's nothing I can do to have eternal life. There's no religious things like baptism and communion and, and keeping the commandments and church membership and giving. I can't do anything religiously to earn your, your love and your righteousness. And, 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 Lord, there's nothing social. I could never give enough money. I could never help enough homeless people. I could never do enough good deeds to society. Lord, I, I can't do nothing. I am lost. Now you can do that to the Lord because He knows you're lost already and He says it's at that condition, that state that I'm willing now to give you eternal life. If you'll simply now place your faith in Jesus Christ who says, I've taken all your sin and burden and fears on myself. I died. I rose again. I paid the ticket. But now for you to have my righteousness to go to heaven, you've got to trust in me and totally trust in me. And let me tell you, you can trust in Him. It's not faith in your works. It's not faith in your works and Christ. It's only Christ. You've got to give it all up for Him. You got to say Lord, it is only you, and it'll happen. Now, you that are Christians look at these verses I'm ending with here. It says here, "The Lord your God is going before you; he will fight for you." That was written to all the children of Israel before they went into a horrific land of enemies. And yet God said, "I'll take care of you, safety and death." "The Lord your God is with you wherever you go." Joshua 9, he spoke that specifically to a leader, to Joshua. He too is facing safety, death, and probably rejection from his own people. And yet, the Lord says, I'll go with you wherever you go. You may be that leader. And I want you to know, wherever you go, the Lord's with you. He says, I am with you. I am your God. I will strengthen you. I'll help you. I'll uphold you with the victorious right hand. And he spoke that to all the children of Israel now, why was it recorded? Was it just to give them strength and encouragement? Or was it for us to also realize that that same God's nature is still alive today and we're a part of His nation as well. We'll call us Christian. And then finally, I will be with you and take care of you. I, the Lord, have spoken. And that's when he told Jeremiah that now I want you to live your Christianity in front of a hostile world. I want you to take a biblical worldview and take it to a hostile, secular worldview. And I want you to stand strong for me and speak my word. Rejection and death. And then David. Woo! David wrote this when he was in captivity with the Philistines for a moment there. And he says, when I'm afraid, I'll put my trust in you. That ought to be a song. Oh God, I praise your word. I love that. I praise your word. Not just your person and all that mystical stuff. It's important to do that. We have a relationship. It's emotion. But at the same time, I praise your word. I have something that I can look at again and again. I trust in God. So why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? Probably the greatest verse ever to help us with our fears. Let's pray, shall we? I want to give you a few moments, not minutes, but moments, to just try to wrap some of your mind around some of this stuff. Maybe the only thing you're taking home with you today is, yep, God does have a way for me to overcome my fears. Okay, that, that's, that's knowledge of a fact that it's out there, but it's not going to help you until you now go to him and cast your care upon him, all your anxieties. Make your requests known to him. He will answer your requests. Pray about everything. And then leave it with him. And when you leave your request with him, take your calendar and give that back to him too. And now just thank Him for being in control, that nothing can touch you. So don't name it and claim it. Don't get into this health and wealth stuff. Because if you start doing all of that, then what happens is you begin to doubt God if it doesn't get answered the way you tried to do. And you put God into a position where He's got to be the genie in the bottle and you're just not rubbing it fast enough, hard enough, or often enough. Then that's not God. What you say is, Lord, I thank You. I don't know what I'm going to go through, but You're going to go through it with me. And that I'm going to see love kisses from you every day through it all. And you will take care of me. You have so far. And I know you will in the future. My greatest hope is I have a home in heaven. And a moment by moment relationship with you here. Is there anyone in here that's ready to say yes, I'm going to trust Christ as my Savior. Now me praying for you won't get you to heaven. you praying for yourself really won't get you to heaven. But it is you finally placing your faith in Christ and Him alone. It's kind of like I'm calling upon the name of the Lord. I'm transferring my faith in Him. He is the Lord. He did die. He rose again. So is there anyone in here today that would say, Pastor, I'd like you to pray for me. I'm trusting Christ. I'm saying, Lord, I know I'm a sinner. I want to thank you for dying on the cross. I thank you for the forgiveness of sin. And I want to thank you that I know I have eternal life and I do not have to fear where I'm going to spend eternity. Now, however you say that to the Lord, and you've never done it before, and you'd like to let me know that, you can do it by an uplifted hand, or if you want to, you can take out that little card that was in your little worship folder and say, hey, I believe today, Pastor. And if you'd like to talk to me, put your name and email or phone number. I won't bother you and crowd you and any of that stuff, but I do want to come alongside you. I want to let you know you're not alone. All right, is there anyone here today that would like for me to pray for them because they've trusted Christ to save you? Is there anyone here today? Would you slip up your hand? Anyone? Thank you very much. All right, for you that are Christians, how many of you today will take some of these things that I've given to you and begin to work on them? And you might say, well, I'm not fearful enough. I'd say start on them now. Get busy about this. 25 or more of you put this on your card. So these are serious. And so... How many of you will begin to take this and begin to work on it? You're going you're gonna to make your list. You're going to identify the lie. You're going to identify the truth. You're going to see these things as a way to be drawn closer to the Lord. In fact, you'll be here next week to hear how to do that. I'm going to do an exposition of Psalm 27. Special song, too, next week. I'm not going to sing it. Dawn is. But it's going to be a great song and a great time of worship. And then at the end, we're going to have a special time of just engaging our faith in the person and the work and the word of Jesus Christ. How many of you would like to have prayer? Would you slip up your hand? Amen. Amen. We need this. Maybe right now you're not very fearful because you're strengthened by this message, but you know that it's kind of like we have a slow leak. Sometimes we c- crawl off the altar because we're a living sacrifice, but we know what we need to do and we want to do that. So we're coming back and we're enjoying the, the grace shower we're getting right now. But parents, If you don't deal with this, that same fear thing is going to be sent down to your kids. I wonder if sometimes it causes us to rattle the cages of our own relationships now. So let's begin to work on this. Let's help our kids learn some of these things. Don't be ashamed of having the fear. Now just take it to the Lord and deal with it biblically. Our Father in heaven, I, I know today was a little bit longer and I had a lot inside of me. and I pray that, Father, that everything I said was pleasing in your ears first. And that it was helpful to those that are going to hear this. And that, Father, that we'll be Christians who can hold up our head and with confidence say, You are our helper and we will not fear. In Jesus' name.